Welcome to He Restores My Soul with Jannie Ortland and Heidi Howerton, where you can find encouragement for your busy life through God's renewing mercies. Hello, everyone. Welcome to He Restores My Soul. This is Jannie Ortland, and I have a special guest with me today. My daughter-in-law, one of them, is here from California. Her name is Esther Ortland, and she's married to our youngest son, Gavin. Welcome, Esther. Thank you. Thanks for having me. I'm so glad you're here. Esther is a pastor's wife. She and Gavin are serving in California. Esther, why don't you um, tell our listeners a little bit about how long you've been married and how many children you have? We got married. Everyone will be able to remember our wedding anniversary. We got married on seven seven oh seven. So, however many years ago that was, I think coming up on fourteen mm-hmm. in July, and um, we have four children. Isaiah just turned eight yesterday, the day before recording this podcast, and then Naomi is six. Elijah is three and a half, and then we have little baby Miriam, who's ten months old. And we're having such a good visit. We don't get to see each other very often, do we? Yeah, so the the kids are back here for a little while, a little bit of a vacation and some ministry stuff. And so it's just really exciting. So I twisted Esther's arm and I asked her if she'd be willing to share with our listeners. We want to talk about the life of a young pastor's wife. You know how much this is on my heart. All my listeners know this, Esther. And um, I just would love to throw some questions at you about what it's like being a young pastor's wife, some of the joys and some of the challenges, and what restores your soul. That will help not only our pastor's wives who are listening, but I think it can help church members as well. Mm -hmm. Uh, Could you give our listeners a little bit of your history. Like, did you and Gavin, were you married when he went to seminary? And um, how many churches have you served in? Yeah, I met Gavin right before he started seminary. So I did know what I was getting myself into. Um, And I actually, I loved the idea of being a pastor's wife. Um, And it was funny, shortly after Gavin and I started dating, I remembered a back in probably eighth grade, a couple different friends of mine telling me that they thought I might be a pastor's wife one day. Really? Yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah. I had completely forgotten about it until, you know, I was 21 when I met Gavin. Until then, I thought, hmm. So I I thought, yeah, maybe this is something. Maybe, I don't know what specific things they saw in me Uh that brought that up. But I had a desire to study counseling. And so I actually went to seminary with Gavin while he got his MDiv. I did an MA in counseling at Covenant Seminary in St. Louis, which we loved Covenant. We made great friends there. It was a really fun place to start off our marriage, driving into school together every morning, packing our lunch, packing our dinner, because usually one or both of us had a night class. Mm -hmm. So then we, um, we served at a church just as doing an internship during seminary in St. Louis. Then we, um, lived in Washington, DC for a one year. Gavin did an internship at a church there, and I was working in mental health. And then we moved out to California in 2010, served at a church there for about six years. And then we spent one year in Chicagoland. Um, he was at Trinity Evangelical Divinity School, um, participating in the Creation Project. And then 
in 2018, we moved back to California to a little town called Ojai, where he serves as the senior pastor at Mm. a church out there. Well, I just want to brag about you um, before we start. You have been a fabulous wife for our son. Oh, my goodness. You have freed him to serve the Lord wherever the Lord has called. And Gavin has not only pastored, but he also has written. Mm-hmm. What books does he have published now, Esther? <laughs> Am I putting you on the spot with so well, many Luckily, of them? I'm sitting in your office, and there's a, a handful of them. Um, he has written, I don't know if I can keep them all track, keep track of them all. I mean, um, he has written his doctoral work. Oh, also, while we were in our church in California, the first one, he got his PhD at Fuller Theological Seminary. Oh, that's right. Yeah. It's easy to forget. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> because he's he was working full-time as a pastor and did his PhD full-time at the same at the same time and was working part-time as an editor for the Gospel Coalition. Oh my. Meanwhile, we had our first two kids oh. within two years. And yeah, crazy so, life. Crazy, but full, but all joyfully things we felt called to do. So yes. it worked. I and mean, it was busy, but uh-huh. that's, you know, it felt like unique circumstances that the Lord opened up. So he has written his doctoral dissertation was published on St. Anselm. Mm-hmm. And then he's written a book uh, called Retrieving Augustine's Doctrine of Creation. He's written Theological Retrieval for Evangelicals, um, most recent Finding the Right Hills to Die On, Case for Theological Triage. And then he has a forthcoming book out this October on, it's an apologetics book, on the beauty of Christian theism. Hmm. Well, being married to an author, Esther, I understand uh, the sacrifice that you've given because if a man is pastoring full-time and writing, there are many nights when you've had the children alone or weekends when Gavin has had to write, and I just want to honor you. I thank you for doing that. Um, you're a great pastor's wife, so let me let me ask you, what have been some of the joys that you've experienced as a young pastor's wife in the churches you've been in? I think it's been really fun to serve together. I think lots of different types of vocational ministry can be unique in that way where I get to, in a sense, go to work with Gavin mm-hmm. um, in some instances. We do, because I have a counseling background, we often do premarital counseling together when he's if there's a couple he's going to marry. And that's been a joy. And we kind of, in this season of young kids, when that's been the the case, we'll have a couple over to dinner sometimes with our family. And then we'll put the kids to bed and over dessert, we'll do the formal counseling. So uh-huh. things like that, that I really enjoy yes. getting to do that, getting to know. I feel like pastoral ministry can sometimes give you an inroad with people relationally. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm a very relational person. And so I just think... It's really an honor to get to be a part of people's lives mm. and they to be entrusted with their joys and sorrows yes. and to walk with people. I really I feel honored to get to do that. And I love getting to see Gavin use his gifts of preaching and speaking and writing, shepherding people. Um, yeah, and I think we one way we like to serve kind of as a couple and now as a family is just opening our home using hospitality. Mm-hmm. And that can look, sometimes it looks like a play date with non-Christian friends from the children's school. Or it can be having families over for dinner after church on a Sunday, um, hosting 
small groups in our house, all those types of things I find really joyful hmm. to get to do together. And uh, do you find the, mo- the greatest burden falls on you? Like if you invite a couple over for dinner, I don't remember Gavin being real handy in the kitchen. <laughs> and I wonder, uh, to me, it, it feels almost like, could that be a burden as well? Or did the Lord just make you in such a way that you love having people over? I do. And we don't, he doesn't usually, I mean, it's it's my decision. <laughs> I do. I am the one that cooks, but you know, he'll often say, if you want to have people over, we can, we can order pizza, we can do whatever. Okay. I usually like to cook, but we just sort of have an agreement that he t- watches the kids while I do that. Oh, that's helpful then. You're not yes. having to watch them full-time and cook. Yes. So he'll, you know, be home an hour or however long before people are due to arrive and yes. can help set the table and uh-huh. play with the kids. So we we kind of do that as a team so that it doesn't all fall on I one person. I like this. I <laughs> wish you had been around earlier. <laughs> well, I wonder too, um, being in being a pastor's wife myself, I have loved looking forward to the hopes and dreams that you have about a church. And I don't know if that's been something that has been a joy for you. But Esther, I have found in my own life that sometimes those dreams or hopes are disappointed. Mm-hmm. Could you talk with our listeners about some of the challenges of being a, a young pastor's wife? Yes, if only someone would write a book to oh. <laughs> to help out pastor's wives like myself, wives like myself. Um, yeah, I was actually reading your recent book, um, finishing up the last few chapters, and I felt kind of struck by the categories of suffering and slander that you introduced in that book, um, which would not be new categories to anyone who's been in ministry. But I think... Yeah, if if I would kind of summarize headings, I would say suffering, which can mean lo- lots of different things, um, slander, and then just relational brokenness. I think not that the, any of those are unique to pastoral ministry, but I think if you're in ministry long enough, you experience probably all three of those. And I think those are some of the most painful aspects. By broken relationships, um, do you mean just observing that people are broken, or do you mean relationships that you thought would carry on for a long time and they're broken because of the difficulty? Yes, more the latter in addition to that. So it could be someone leaves the church and that's painful to you, or you leave and you thought you'd keep in touch and you don't. Maybe both parties are at fault, but I, I think... Probably what is most painful that I've experienced is the betrayal that can happen when there's someone you thought you really trusted or respected and looked up to and you feel mistreated. Yes. That is painful. Yeah. When wh- What have you done when you feel someone has spread a lie about you or slandered your husband? Um, it, in such a way that has been very painful and detrimental to the ministry. Yeah. You know, it's funny, Gavin and I, when we met, we were working at a conference center together and we had just started dating. And there was one staff member who I have still to this day, don't know why, really did not like us and was kind of doing that, kind of slandering us, saying each of us said things about her that we didn't. And I remember being so upset 
because I wanted everyone to like me. Uh-huh. <laughs> Why would someone not, not, not like, like you? Yes. <laughs> and I remember him saying, you know, if I'm a pastor and we get married, this is, this happens. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, he, growing up as a pastor's kid, he had his eyes wide open that there are times where you can't always trace, did I do something? What did I do? How can I make this right? Hopefully in healthy, you know, loving, gospel-filled relationships, you can trace the fault and work towards reconciliation and forgiveness. But there are times where you will never know why someone is mistreating you. And that that helped me coupled with, I was thinking, mom, would you read Colossians 3, 23 for us? Oh, yes. And whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord and not for men. Yeah, I bring up that verse because years ago when we were um, in seminary, on the one day off a week that I didn't have class, I was waiting tables at Cracker Barrel. And I, you know, anyone who's worked in food service industry knows you can meet some difficult people sometimes, <laughs> or you can be a difficult person, you know, yes. if, I, if I'm underslept or having a bad day. And so I wrote that verse out in my little notepad where I would take people's orders, mm. um, just trying to kind of center my heart on what I'm doing is for the Lord. It, Yes, I'm, you know, carrying this plate of food to these people at a particular table and they may like it, they may not, they may yell at me, they may tip me, they may not tip me, but I'm doing this for the Lord. And that helped me mm-hmm. to kind of focus. And I think that helps even more in pastoral ministry to kind of remind my heart, I can't always fix things. Mm-hmm. If it's a broken relationship, I want to fix things. I want to talk yes. things out and get to the bottom of it and repair. And that's just not always possible. And so that's sometimes so hard. it's so hard. Sometimes I just have to let it go and say, okay, I'm working as, as for the Lord. And so he will and do what he's going to do. What does that letting it go? Is it an internal struggle? I mean, is it mentally you just say, Lord, help me let this go? How would you counsel a young pastor's wife who might be listening whose husband has been slandered and might lose his ministry position to help her let it go. Yeah. Um, it's not easy and it's not a one-time thing. I think mm-hmm. it, to me, it feels like forgiveness when you have to forgive someone for something and it you may really feel in your heart before the Lord you've forgiven them, but it, it creeps up in your mind and you think about, you know, the offense or the situation a few years, several years ago now, I was leading a small group through Jen Wilkins' First Peter study, which was just so wonderful and restorative to my soul. Don't you praise the Lord for Jen Wilkin? Yes. And oh, yeah. thank you, Lord, for that woman. Yeah, and I, I felt so cared for by the Lord because we had chosen that study unbeknownst to the season that I was going to be walking through when we studied it. And the all the passages about suffering, I just felt like were a felt like the Lord was specifically ministering to me throughout mm-hmm. the whole thing. And I I don't know, Mom, if you'd be able to read First Peter two nineteen. Sure. Let me turn to it, Esther. First Peter two nineteen says this For this is a gracious thing when, mindful of God, one endures sorrows while suffering unjustly. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. That's for me, very packed, isn't yeah, it? Yeah. It is. It kind of speaks for itself. Mm-hmm. Um, 
I, there was a season in which um, we were going through a lot of ministry difficulty and pain and I wanted to fix it. You know, I'd hear those person said this, I, well, that's not true, you know, mm-hmm. and there just wasn't a lot I could do. And so this verse became kind of, I memorized it and it kind of became like oxygen to me. There were times on a Sunday morning sitting in church when all I could do was just open up my Bible to first Peter and just read that verse over and over again and mm-hmm. think, okay, this is a gracious thing. You know, in mind, the part of it, about being mindful of God, you know, you're not just enduring suffering unjustly, but you're mindful of him. Okay, he's with me. He's caring for me. He knows he's endured the ultimate unjust suffering. Yes. You know, we're not perfect. We're sinners. And so anything we experience, even if it's unjust, it's not as unjust as what he experienced. Yes. And so it just, I clung to that. And that I feel like that was just a perfect gift to me from the Lord to to kind of root my mind. It didn't make it easy <laughs> or painless, but it gave me something to focus on. Yes, it gave you that anchor. Mm-hmm. We've talked about finding a good verse before on the podcast mm-hmm. and meditating on it and just having it, like you said, just always there in your mind. You could turn to it when the tears come or when another accusation comes. And that kind of anchors your soul. You say, okay, all right, I'm going to be mindful of God, and I'm going to ask Him to help me endure sorrows while suffering unjustly. He sees it, and someday He's going to make it right. Yeah, that's good, honey. Well, um, anything else that you could offer to our listeners? You're really a wise woman for your age. I know you've gone through some suffering in in some of your ministries. Yeah, I think that category you just, you know, mentioned of finding a verse to kind of cling to Mm -hmm. um, is something that Gavin and I have done a lot. I think of a couple different seasons in which we found a psalm that really Mm. kind of spoke to what we were experiencing, what we were praying for, asking the Lord for, and um, during together, you would together, uh-huh. yeah. And sometimes it's something he reads, and he thought, oh, I think this is for us. And sometimes I'm the one that reads this and say, hey, look what I was reading. Does this speak to you? And we're both kind of like, ah, yes, that's it. That's that's our word for this season mm-hmm. to kind of have in mind when we're praying or journaling, even just separately. Yes, but to kind of, it's not like it's something we announce. Hey, guys, this is our <laughs> verse for the season. <laughs> it's more of a private thing, but. Yes. During a time of struggling to feel, to hope for life to feel normal after a trauma, we were really... A a ministry trauma? A ministry trauma, yes, Uh I should say, um, of just upheaval and and pain. We were really clinging to Psalm 121. Yeah, this is great. I lift up my eyes to the hills. From where does my help come? My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. He will not let your foot be moved. He who keeps you will not slumber. Behold, he who keeps Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. He's our helper and our keeper. I love that. The Lord is your keeper. The Lord is your shade on your right hand. The sun shall not strike you by day, nor the moon by night. Wow, that two extremes, day and night, the whole of existence, totality of it. Uh, Verse 7, the Lord will keep you from all evil. 
He will keep your life. The Lord will keep your going out and your coming in from this time forth and forevermore. You're going out of a ministry or you're coming into a ministry. The Lord will keep that. You've learned that. You've experienced that, Esther. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's so rich. I don't even really need to give my commentary Mm -hmm. on why it was so meaningful. Mm -hmm. It just, it was a reminder. He, he has us. He's not sleeping or slumbering. We're suffering. We're confused. We're asking the Lord where we're going to go. We don't know where we'll move to, what kind of ministry we'll serve in. You know, those are the things going through our mind years ago during that season. And so to remind ourselves, he has us, he has a plan for us. So that during that season, Gavin, every night when he put the kids to bed, he'd be, you know, kind of praying lines of that psalm Mm. over them. And it was hard. I mean, it's not like, oh, then we just have a smile on our face every day. Okay, well, the Lord, you know, the Lord's not sleeping or slumbering. I think oftentimes you're struggling to even believe, is this even true? Can I really believe this? But it felt like it was an act of the will of trusting. Mm. You know, he he will keep us. Mm-hmm. Um, the song, the Gettys song, He Will Hold Me Fast. Oh, don't you that was that? Yeah, I was just weep every time I heard that song yes. during that season. I think that, I think it was during that, one of those painful seasons when that song was released and that I just would kind of, play it over and over every time I was driving somewhere. And it it helped me. It really ministered to me to think, okay, he will hold me fast. Yes. He did restore your soul, didn't he? In the midst of hard trials. Mm -hmm. Is there anything else you want to say before we wrap up today? I'd say I think after a particular season like that, the next psalm that ministered to us was Psalm 90. Oh, here, Esther, I'll read it. Psalm 90, verse 15. Make us glad for as many days as you have afflicted us, and for as many years as we have seen evil. Wow. I think we, those verses, or that verse, but that entire psalm, that specific verse, stood out as kind of a prayer after, you know, our Psalm 121 wilderness season to say, Okay, Lord, you've kind of delivered us out of that. Now will you make us glad for as many days as you've afflicted us? Yes. Just a, a, t- a season of healing, of fruit, of, I don't know. I don't know how to describe it, but um, that was just a prayer. Sometimes I think you don't really know exactly what you're asking for. You're just yes. saying, Lord, <laughs> kind of crying out. Yes, and it, and it's so wonderful to pray scripture because then you know someone else was suffering as well and God met them and you can claim that as your prayer as well. Well, thank you for sharing. You, you've talked to us and we realize a little bit more how hard it can be sometimes to be a, a young pastor's wife. There are many joys, many, many joys, but there are challenges along the way, too, especially when you have to leave a ministry that you really love. Mm -hmm. And I appreciate how you've brought us to Scripture, Esther. Thank you so much. That's That's really helpful. I think that's what I want our listeners to know today, that yes, ministry can be hard, but... We can keep coming to Scripture. That's where we land. That's where we can find the hope that we need to encourage our faith and to keep going. We 
We pray that this conversation between two pastor's wives, an old one and a young one, (laughs) can be an encouragement not just to our our pastor wives, but also to church members uh, to get a little peek inside the heart of one young pastor's wife, what it's like. So thank you, Esther. Thank you for having me. Thank you for joining us today. This podcast is generously funded through Renewal Ministries. If you would like to discover more about Jannie and Ray's ministry or make a donation, visit their website at renewalministries.com. If you have a question for Jannie or would like to learn more about this podcast, please visit our website at herestoresmysoul.org.